0: been away for a minute um I have an apology to make um I did my last episode and I wanted music to the background because I'm a musician I've been playing forever and I so I went to the Anchor app, and they had some Spotify songs, and there was a beta song, there was a song called Alone by Alan Walker, that they used at the tail end of the episode, and I was just like, ooh, that's so cool, I can have a song on my podcast, I can I can arrive finally, I can be somebody, I'm not this, this stupid podcast, me in the truck just going blah, 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 I can actually have some, like, music to the background, well, funny thing was, well, I didn't know, because I'm stupid that way, is that, you know, Spotify has licensing, to right. so those songs let's use the beta but the thing is when you use that in the podcast they only distribute it to Spotify so only one person got it and everybody else missed out because there was a song on it because here I am calling myself being cute and the funny thing was I, I said to myself afterwards I looked and I said "Damn, I just did that whole thing and just went in on it and nothing came out so what I decided to do was Pull out my old synthesizer. I've been playing piano organ for about eh, 33 years. So I said, why am I going to pay for licensing fees for someone to make a song when I'm perfectly capable of making said song? So I got my synth out, and I figured out how to layer some sounds and organ in the piano. It's a work in progress, but I kind of enjoyed that. So I just kind of put the piano right by the synth, turned the volume up on the amp, and I just went for it. Just played a little couple chord progressions. Something a little melancholy-ish. That's kind of my chord progression of choice. That's kind of what I like. I like an organ sound with a nice strained sound. It's with a little piano in there. I'm always a piano person. I've been playing piano since I was five. Organ since I was 10, 11, 12. So I just said, hey, why not? Why why pay money for it? But anyway, um, it's been the last weird couple, a weird month per se. Um depression started to come back and i'm actually recording at my house i'm not in the truck so there's not all that noise you won't hear me cussing at drivers kind of a nice peaceful evening i got home early i was going to do it yesterday but then i ended up running 700 miles in a truck which no local driver should ever be doing but that being said it's not something i'm worried about spiritually i'm done with trucking as a full-time gig i don't like it full-time it's not good for your health not good for your life not good for your money not good for anything so i'm looking to get into some it work and really starting to work on that and i said well i haven't touched a keyboard in forever i haven't tapped into that i mean i've been playing piano for 33 years and music has always been a thing love to play love to sing it's just my thing so i said why not just put that thing to use for me so i put it on a podcast i might throw in a little something at the end just you know if i'm feeling froggy it's better than just me going Right, take care. I'll throw something on the end. A little chord progression. that's eh, a little, um, ice into the cake. Well, like I said, last month's been kind of interesting. I, uh, had an appointment scheduled with my therapist last month, and he said, well, you know, you have this on Saturday, and I'm like, ah, it kind of came up last minute, and I kind of told the girl, I said, now I'll go another month uh wait till next month. Uh, let's 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 push it because I want to see what I'm capable of doing right now. I want to see how I'm dealing with this depression and anxiety. I figured out the source of my anxiety. is costochondritis, and I had to deal with that. It's an inflammation of the rib cart the cartilage around the rib cage and the sternum, which creates a tight feeling in the chest. Which, of course, when you go with the mind, which is a Relating organism which relates things to things when you have a pain in your chest, the mind goes, Ooh, especially when you doctor Google everything. Doctor Google doesn't give you any good news, saying, Eh, it's probably nothing. After my last big panic attack, where I spent nine hours in the hospital, was seen for a combined total of 20 minutes, and came out with a bill that I don't even like think of, it's just so high. I'm like, Oh, well, I'll pay that off one day. I mean, I'm in America. What am I supposed to do? I try to keep myself healthy. You go to the hospital off chance, and next thing you know, you're bankrupt. I'm like, "Ah, okay. So I wanted to deal with that, and I started dealing with that this week. But it was interesting because I got confirmed into the Catholic Church, and then all of a sudden we had a a class – after our confirmation, it was kind of to get us to get to know the congregation. Now, this thing about this class that I've been with, I started to develop an affinity for some of the people. I started to loosen up a little bit, which is kind of rare for me because I don't like people. Having been depressed and lonely for years, I kind of stand off. I mean, I'm friendly if you meet me in person, but I'm going to keep distance from you. Like I said, so I'm going to kind of stay away, but I had some people in the class that were nice, and we'd talk, and, you know, they compliment me on how quick or smart I was, and I'd be like, oh, thanks, and then I'd get in my truck and disappear into the night. Well, I kind of started to have this depressing feeling, which was kind of triggering me, because I was having deja vu. It was like, oh, I've made these quote-unquote friends, and now they're leaving, because they all go to Sunday Mass, where everybody goes. I go to Saturday Mass. It's a lot of older people there, not that many people, and I just kind of go and sit in the back corner. I do my thing, I get my sacraments, and I haul boogie. I say hi to my sponsor, and I, I hit the road. I really don't talk to anybody. And it, it, the weird thing is, like I said, it's a mostly all-white church, and it's a Catholic church, so it's all white and then Latino. I'm the one black guy there. And so I just feel, it's like, oh, God. I found another church, and here I am finding myself a lonely person. I started to feel that loneliness, that outsider mentality. I said, oh, damn. And I pre-put myself in the outsider category. I said, oh boy, here we go again. And I remember a really interesting incident that happened. That's just with someone like me, that's just, it triggered me. So I was talking to this one guy, he's about my age and he's cool and we talked and everything. So we're talking before confirmation, we're all dressed up and I'm standing there talking to him and this guy from the church who's the head of the men's club comes up to him and like, Hey, Ashby, glad to see you. Congratulations, this and that. I've heard so many good things about you. Now keep in mind I'm standing next to him. I'm a man too. I've just been confirmed. You've seen me up there, right? He didn't say a word to me. And in my mind I said to myself, I don't like that guy. I don't like him one damn bit. And I didn't go, oh, he's racist or anything. I, I didn't care about that. I don't care about that shit. Like that's that doesn't interest me. I'm interested in the interpersonal stuff. That other stuff that's for a different conversation, for a different lifetime. And I remember not liking him, thinking, You just saw me, you didn't see me. But it kind of goes into play with my life where I go damn I'm alone and nobody sees me it's, it's deja vu all over again all these ministries coming out saying we do this and we have fun with these people and I'm thinking oh I spent 15 years of my life busting my ass at church you know that playing the piano and organ thing did that for a cut rate fee for this church I provided heavy duty lifting as a classically trained pianist who can play by ear for a church that paid me jack shit and offloaded me like I was tonnage on the Titanic so I started to have this like weird feeling like ugh so I've been dealing with that and I go back there and this one lady I talked to she was really nice and she said oh, want to meet my husband and I'm kind of like okay sure. And you know don't don't get used to seeing me cuz I'm not like not that friendly. And, you know you see all the people and their families up there and I'm just like okay whatever. Some that's been the interesting thing. Other stuff, you know, I'm getting some stuff in my life squared away, getting some getting my stuff stored up. And just getting ready for big pushes, a lot of severing going to be going on. It's going to make the continental drift look like a fucking picnic What I'm about to start severing. So I'm kind of feeling good about that in a way because it's going to add some finality to my life. But that's not what I wanted to really talk about. Um, I was having, Like I said, the last one I had talked about was solutions. I, I, okay, I, everybody can diagnose what's going on, but nobody really can pinpoint the solution. How do we fix this? And I've had interesting conversation with the one person in the world I can talk to, who's not family. You know, one of my old battle buddies, as they call it in the military. reached out to me, and we've been talking for the past couple months, and we we'll have these really deep conversations. And I've really been thinking, because he gives me a lot of good food for thought. It's always good for me to talk to someone smarter than me, because it always makes my brain start spinning. It's like sparring. You just feel this urge to just get in there and be like, okay, let's work on technique, let's work on this. Hey, work on getting the right hook in at this moment, you know, set yourself, get out of an angle, da 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 da. You work on stuff. You get to kind of feel it out in quasi real time. And the thing that I'm coming to the conclusion is in my life, it's anecdotal, but I think it goes across cultures and time and space, is that. People tend to bond together when there's a common enemy and a common struggle. That seems to bulldoze a lot of the things that divide us. And I really do think that in a weird way because one of the things about anti-social media as it was marketed to us, this thing is that it's so individualized that it, in essence, severs you from the real world around you. I used to have a metaphor where... I would kind of mock AT&T and Verizon and all these companies that were marketing the smartphones in the early days. Like, you can have the whole world in your hand, and I'm thinking, you can see the whole world through a screen and miss the actual world that's around you. And I was always suspicious of it. I've always been suspicious of smartphones. I predicted this thing happening. As a young man, you know, as a young man who had an early generation iPhone, I recognized it because I recognized going into the clubs. The club scene had changed in Europe. All of a sudden, you used to go in there, get drinks, talk for girls, this and that, hang out with people, meet groups of guys from Iran or Turkey. And all of a sudden, everybody started looking at their phones. It was as if everybody started checking out of the social space where you interacted with real-life humans. And I said, whoa. And, you know, I was talking to my friend, and he was saying, you know, stuff about how, you know, this thing is, we've reached a tipping point. This is so integrated into our lives, and I, I kind of pushed back, and I said, not so much. We're human at the end of the day. At the end of the day, at the end of the time, we'll be human. When we're finally extinct, we will have been human. We're not machines. And so I started just really thinking about it, and I said, Especially now in this weird time. I don't know if you're in America what part of the world you're in, but things are crazy and people are kind of willingly asleep at the wheel of life. It's weird. Like I said, I took a picture of a uh, filling up my truck and it was $700 and sent it to my sister. I said, I've never seen that. I used to drive a gas ghost on KW, the big cat engine. I'd never seen prices that high. I said, This is weird and you're seeing all these little things my truck had to go away for a simple repair it's not gonna be back for a couple months and I'm seeing this sort of thing across the industry but just in general our lives are starting to change we're not we're we're trying to tell ourselves it's not changing people are making plans for the future and I'm looking going yeah you can plan that picnic on the beach but you see that 15-foot wave over there it's getting closer and it's gonna make landfall I don't know if this will be the worst or the best thing that happens to us. I don't know if it will destroy the country and save humanity. Not in terms of, like, America being a bad country. I'm just saying destroy this structure. Because I I, I drive to work. I, I commute half an hour to work every day, and I think. What a soul-sucking experience. You're alone in your car. You're driving down the highway. You're stuck in traffic. You're not around people. You're not interacting with people. The people in the cars, you're surrounded by thousands of people. You don't know any of them. You can't even see their faces barely. Most of them have their windows up, their air conditioning on. Something about this society is just creating this sort of comfort that comes at the expense of human interaction. Everything's about comfort. I mean, you know, my uncle, he can't really get out. So, you know, he's handicapped so he's you know got a legitimate excuse but he uses this thing called DoorDash I never knew what DoorDash was and I found out it was like this gig-driving service where you like Uber Eats I found that about these I'm like wait they deliver groceries to your house and I'm thinking this technology is moving us away from our humanity and we're kind of going along with it at some point I don't know The thing that would remedy it is a struggle because, say, for instance, okay, take the most distant, abstract celebrity you could think of. I'll use somebody who I would never hang out with in a billion years, Selena Gomez. You're familiar with her, obviously. You're not in a hole in the head in the ground. I mean, you know, her love life, her music, her whatever, she's kind of you in a weird way as you know disney pop princess but she's this abstract star you know this person with millions of people following who will never know her but they're kind of tied to her now imagine you were stuck with selena gomez out in the woods and it was just you and her now, she's not talking to you, and she's not really interacting with you. But say you had a common enemy, i.e. a grizzly bear that was hell-bent on killing both of you. And you both were trying to escape together. Your interaction with her would change so drastically. It would be much more intimate because you now were dependent on each other. All of a sudden, the class lines, and you know, you being middle, upper, whatever class you may find yourself at, It will be bulldozed by the fact that there's a common danger and there's a need to survive. There's a very human need that one-ups your class station in life. So all of a sudden you're depending on each other. You're helping each other climb rocks. as bears behind you. You can't afford to miss a second because you're human. You're not going to just let her get eaten by the bear. And she's not going to let you get eaten by the bear because she's human. And you both survive and escape to safety. You've created a bond. With this person, it's kind of like when you have car accidents. I I I hate to use that term, hate to use car accidents as an example, but it's a very interesting thing when people come to the scene of an accident. It's funny how a lot of people just get out and help. They don't go, "Hey, well, what's your politics, man? What did you say on Instagram last night?" If someone's in the car bleeding or hurt or dead, people show real concern. I've seen it. Where they go, hey, are you okay? Hey, man, are you okay? You good? You know, there's this real concern because there's this real danger and you can sense the danger to another human. It kind of brings people together and the people standing around, they're talking, oh, yeah, I saw him go, the thing. Yeah, I hope he's okay. Oh, God, he doesn't look good or this or that. You know, and there's this, like, sinking feeling when the fire department puts the sheet over the car and you're like, oh, God. <sighs> but it's something that we as a society... And I think that the technology has worked to drive us apart intentionally. I know can't say anything for certain and everything. you have to just ascribe it to just chance and market this what a, how mad would I be if this mic wasn't on this volume wasn't all the way up. Oh, I'd be so mad i I just thought about it getting seventeen minutes in. I'm thinking, yeah, trying to record a song, but guess what I didn't do? Didn't turn the mic on. Oh, I'd be so hot to trot. But thinking about this thinking I'm going. We need a struggle. Because as a young man in my life, I bonded with people in struggle, i.e. sports. Sports, you know, is a good metaphor for life because it's this idea that you get together with other people. You don't know them when you show up. It's not all your friends. There's some new kids. There's some kids who are weird. There's some kids you don't really like. But all of a sudden you get in the game against another team. You develop a closeness with those people. The kids you may never have talked to in school, if the other player from the other team pushes him, guess who's, guess what happens with the other guys? Uh-uh. You're not pushing our guy. We're bonded by struggle. Football is especially a really good one because it's so visceral and virile as opposed to boxing where, you know, you have a team with you, but you're going out there by yourself. Football, you really do have to depend on each other because that guy running the ball behind you needs you to lay your body out and block and everything. And when he scores, you celebrate with him. You didn't get the touchdown, but guess what? He did. You all won because he won. And you're bonded to him, and you, you have this closeness because I remember going to Edinburgh, my grad program, and I was with all these academic students, and they were all smart, and they were nice, but I had a, bond, I had a kinship with the football team. We'd see each other on campus. We'd smile. We'd wave. We'd go talk to each other. We'd bust each other's balls because we'd been through stuff together. It's a bond. You know, you got your ass kicked by Sterling twice, and, you know, we were outgunned. We only had 28 guys on the team, and Sterling had a full 80 guys, and they had D3 players from the States, and they got me, a former receiver, playing linebacker. I mean, you know, listen, you're going to get trucked. It's just physics, but you're not going to back away. Because the other 10 guys aren't backing away. You'll face that running back who's 245 pounds. Yeah, he might run over you, but you'll grab his ankles and he'll fall. True story. <laughs> but you don't want to let the other guys down. You never knew them three months prior, but when you go to practice, you're out in the rain, you're hitting drills, you're getting muddy, you're cleaning your uniform, you're coming to practice, you're riding together on the bus, you're hanging out. You're bonded. Now, something that missing, especially for a lot of men... Because we miss that thing of sports, that bonding with other men, and a fortunate thing in society is just like I find that I can't bond with any other men. I mean, I have a couple people at work I'll talk to, and they're cool, but this bonding, this this in struggle thing, and I I I really out of all that's gonna go down in the states, because stuff is gonna go down. Like I said, it's it's assured. They can't hide it anymore. People are aware of it. People are struggling. I see homeless people. It's an interesting thing. I saw a homeless guy standing on the side of the road. And you know how our mistrustful instinct comes to play. We never view them as part of us, as part of the struggle. They're just the, the lazy loafers or he's a drug addict or he's just somebody. What if it was somebody who actually... Legitimately just got a hard-ass knock in life like a big medical bill and a missed house of payment And next thing you know, they threw their shit on the road, and they're just like I have nowhere to go I just need a little bit of help. I just need somebody to reach down and see me You know I I saw one time this guy's sitting there, and I just like I'll throw my I'll give him my food if I have cash. I'll give him cash now You said what if he goes and buys drugs? I said well, then he's gonna go and buy drugs What's not going to be missing is my part where I reach out to somebody and understand that they're in the struggle too, and that they matter too. It's funny how you know black Lives matter, blue Lives matter came out, but homeless lives don't matter <laughs> they don't matter you know they're they're just kind of on the fringes of existence. I see them all the time around the truck stop, and if I kept giving money, I would have no money left and I'm thinking, what if more people's just purpose to just bless somebody and see this as we're all in this together. And I think that's the thing that's going to happen when this economic system really goes through a, do- a downturn is people are going to realize that maybe the only thing you can depend on is the people who are around you. Maybe that's all that's really matters in life and you know for someone like me who struggles with loneliness It'll push me into the struggle with other people who I may not have even talked to, which is every person. Because I see people kind of blithely going about their lives. And no one's looking to the clouds going, this is a bad storm coming. Kind of that Clearance Clearwater revival song. Nobody sees a bad moon arising. And I'm thinking, well, I'm hoping I'm wrong. And I'm hoping if I'm not wrong that people kind of have enough sense to realize we're in this together. And maybe this is the thing that ultimately destroys the pervasive influence of anti-social media: is the realization that the real-life human being, not the avatar you argue with or follow (quote unquote), is the real person in your life. But it was another another dovetail point. Somebody that I followed on YouTube for a while and was really influential because. He had a message, and I don't know if you've ever heard of Kevin Samuels. Yeah, I'm a black guy, so of course I'm in Kevin Samuels' wheelhouse. Duh. So I I definitely, like I said, I I listened to Kevin Samuels quite avidly for a while. You know, I got tired of it when I left. I always went back and listened because he was really that person in my life who was speaking in a way that was familiar to me. As a dude, and in this weird world where I was alone, I'm in a marriage that's tail-spinning like the Titanic, I'm looking for somebody that that can actually talk to me. Because that was the weird thing about being alone in my marriage. I had nobody and it was intended to be that way. Then I finally said, I gotta start reaching out to people and just start going and saying, listen, I gotta shout it to the heavens. I don't give a damn how it looks or this or that or keep our business. Uh uh-uh. uh. I gotta shout my shit to the heavens, you know? I need to talk to somebody. I need to hear somebody. I started, I've to the counselor, i to my priest. I just gotta let people Nah, I ain't going out like that. That ain't how I operate. And I remember hearing Kevin Samuels and it was just. So weird to hear somebody talk that way. And you kind of develop this weird bond. So I, when I talk about people you follow on the internet, listen, present company included, you hear? I'm not, I'm not better than anybody else either because that's the air we breathe and it's how easy it's to hold your breath. <laughs> how long can you hold your breath, right? We passed away this week and I just felt this weird loss because I never met him. He never knew me. But he influenced me. He made a lot of money and stuff like that. And I don't begrudge him because what he said was it was worth it to hear that person from across the Matrix. To hear another voice across the Matrix say what you're feeling is such a weird dynamic. I I don't know how to quantify it. It's so strange. But rest in peace to Kevin Samuels. I, I, I have to give him a shout out because... He really was instrumental in formulating a lot of my thoughts and helping me get my thoughts together and get my act together, as it were, and to really reorient myself and to attack life. And that's the lesson I learned, you know, with his death. You know, like I said, I had this costochondritis, and I I would go not doing certain things. I didn't want to aggravate the costochondritis. I hated the heavy feeling in the chest because I went through, like, weeks of getting my heart checked out and said, oh, you're perfectly fine. I'm thinking, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, I was waiting for, you have a heart problem, you can't exercise, anymore. no, you're perfectly fine. So exercising, it's heaviness in my chest, and I just, like today, got up and did some dips. I, I used to do weighted dips. I used to love that. I used to do four 45-pound plates around my waist. A 160-pound guy, you know, that was my thing. I, I, It was kind of an arrogant way to be in the gym, and everybody would stop and look at like there's no way, and I would just do it like, what? And, what what stairwares are you taking? I'm not on a You see how big I am? I'm not that big. I'm a boxer by trade, you know? So it was just kind of fun to attack it this week and to sit in the truck and go, oh, boy, this chest pain, and go, like, I know what it is. So I'm fighting a two-front war right now. I mean, the depression at times and the rage really comes up. And I've started, and my advice to you, if you can find anybody who will listen, go find a therapist or somebody, you need to get it off your chest. Pun intended. Pun intended. But it's for real. Like I said, I feel like I'm getting it off my chest, talking to people, saying, this is what's going on in my life. This is what's been happening. This is what went down. And just to be able, like I said, to get it off my chest and say, this is all this. Here's all the receipts. Look at all this. You see what I'm going through? I felt this. I felt like killing myself, this and that. And to hear people listen to you and tell me that I'm not crazy it's so it's so refreshing. Cause i'm not crazy and i don't think anybody I, I think people feel what they feel and it's a way of getting it out that's the key problem it's not what you feel it's getting it out and saying this is what i'm going through i started making those efforts i started working out i reached out to my brother-in-law start working with him he's 25 and working under him for a little bit learning some it stuff trying to step my it game up you know Probably, I'm eventually gonna get out of this trucking thing. This trucking thing is starting to become a losing game, you know. I, I I'm gonna stay in trucking part time, but I'm just like doing things with my life and just saying, let's shift the paradigm now. Let's, let's not sit here and just operate in this. You're gonna be a suburban house husband, working your ass off, of but, no, no, them days are done. We're shifting paradigms now, and it's really helped me because I've had moments where I've gotten angry Where certain people have done certain things, and I'm like. Where it used to be, where it used to trip me out. Now I'm just like, I'm over it. I'm over it for real because it's not because I emotionally feel it. I've physically made mo- moves to get over it now, you know? It's actually over, like, not coming back. It's so refreshing. But I think the thing, like I said, the thing that I miss the most is just having a group of dudes to be like, yo, let me tell you about this but that's life for you isn't it but i think like one of the solutions and i really want to dig in on this a little more this is a, this is a thursday wednesday evening i gotta get up early tomorrow my company's lying about where i'm going i'm probably gonna be going all the way to the mountains and i don't feel like doing a podcast in the mountains i'm gonna do a podcast about trucking in the mountains but not about this but i gotta meet appointment with my doc this weekend, it'll be interesting to see how I sound. What improvements I've made. Because now I'm going to the therapist. I'm not just going to say, This is what's happening in my life and I'm feeling this way. I'm like, Am I making improvement? Do I sound like I'm progressing now? Do I sound like I'm getting anywhere? Because I'm not all about solutions now. And I think the solution that we need is we need to have a cause. Once we have a cause, we have a common struggle. Common opponent and common struggle, we have a bond. And ultimately, I think that's the thing that'll turn the tide, maybe for future generations. That's my theory. It's crackpot theory. But hey, it's worth a shot. You take care of yourself.